Welcome in everyone to Scoop Du Jour. I'm Jordan Black. It is peak summertime and I'd be lying if I didn't say that summer made me think about, makes me think about feeling and being and looking like my best self. A lot of that has to do with what I eat, how I work out, how I fuel and talk to my body and myself and just how I treat myself. And, and a lot of that has to do with what I said, um, what I eat and, and what I put into my body, nutrition, which is why it is perfect that today's guest is a registered dietitian to the athletes, pro and collegiate athletes, Kendall Herman Weir, um, a former high school classmate of mine and um, teammate of mine. We did uh, cheerleading together. So this is such a special guest, but really an informative one, um, one with so much experience and education to offer. She is one, a phenomenal social media follow, the athlete dietitian, with so much to offer, not just for athletes, but for, as she refers to us, gen pop, that's general population as well. Um like I said, just so, so many nuggets to offer. Um, she calls how she fell into nutrition a happy accident, which is just a term that I know I'm going to use for so many other things because I think there are so many happy accidents in our lives um, in so many different fashions. But back to Kendall, a wonderful listen coming up here talking about different ways that we can fuel our bodies, how she got into this industry, um, ways that athletes and non-athletes alike can fuel our bodies, what we need, um, athletes she's worked with, things she's learned, so many things that and nuggets that you can take away from this episode. She is a wonderful follow the athlete dietitian. So be sure to follow her on TikTok and Instagram and all the places. And of course, if you enjoy this episode and other episodes of Scoop Du Jour, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow along on social media. Don't be afraid to give this a thumbs up on YouTube. And be sure to look out for upcoming episodes ahead. Without further ado, this week's episode with Kendall Herman Weir. Welcome to Scoop Du Jour, the athlete dietitian, Kendall Herman. So pumped to have you because this is another chance I get to bring on a friend, a former classmate of mine from high school, which is so fun, so St. Thomas Aquinas alum. Thanks so much for being here. <laughs> you are a professional and college sports athlete dietitian. Did I get all of that right? Did I get all of like the... Yeah, yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> okay, good. Um, this is really neat because we have been able to have on so many professional and former college athletes, um, their their parents, even their media members, but we've never had on the nutritionist, the dietitian to these folks. So um, it's so so cool to have you. Um, I, I we're talking about going back to high school, and I don't know that I knew you were interested in all of this. So take us back. When did you know this was what you wanted to do? Funny story. It was kind of a happy accident. So I got pretty into like fitness and nutrition, just like on my own. Thought I was gonna go to med school to be a dermatologist because like Doctor Pimple Popper was my dream, <laughs> and then. Uh, come like chem two, I think so. The pre med track at Florida State where I did my undergrad was either like chemistry or exercise science. There wasn't just like a pre med, so you okay. could kind of do a couple different things. I did exercise science because I'm like, cool, I like exercise and nutrition. Um, so I was pre med with exercise science, chem two. I'm like, I'm out, like, cannot do med school. 
It was is a that the one that's like the weed weed out class? Yeah, come okay. to weed out. So like, stick with it if you want to go down that path. But for me, I was like, I don't think I can do this much schooling. So what did I pivot to? Nutrition that's like equally as much science. Yeah, <laughs> but um, we we did like a pre after your two years of prereqs, you have like an intro to your major, one credit hour, and they bring in different professionals that took your degree and went out into the world with it just to give you an idea of other like non-traditional paths you could take. And I can like so clearly see this, the sports dietitian at Florida State who was the director and she was working with the football team came into our class and like had this awesome PowerPoint. And I turned to my friend, I'm like, I'm going to do that. Like that sounds like so much fun. I grew up with my brother playing ice hockey and just in the sports world adjacent. I mean, we were cheerleaders, so we were in the sports world. Um, so I kind of like to say that I, I swapped my sideline role, right, from like cheerleader to just like snack mom. Um, so just like found my way back to the sidelines. Um, but yeah, I just I approached her afterwards. She said, if you were interested in volunteering. So of course, immediately I'm like, yes, sign me up. What does that mean? So I switched my majors um, into dietetics. And then I was volunteering in the sports nutrition department at Florida State, making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and smoothies for, you know, at the time we were pretty high level. We had just won a national championship. Yeah. Um, so working with some pretty high level athletes and even in just a small way, it was such a cool environment. And I was just hooked, for, hooked from there. What's so cool about doing you, you did your undergrad at Florida State and I didn't mention all the places that you've worked and currently worked, but then you you know, are now with helping the San Diego wave and you've been at USC Southern Cal and now you're doing stuff with IMG Academy, all these big time athletes, nothing is the same. I like how you said you did like the peanut butter and jelly. I remember doing a, a story when I was in undergrad on the nutritionist at UNC, who I think is now at Florida, if I'm not mistaken. It's so interesting. Like they use the peanut butter and jelly as the, like a, a snack for a lot of us, it's meals. Can you touch on, um, without going into so, so much detail, I'm sure yeah. of, um, the, the science of it, but like how it really works for athletes to kind of figure out it's so different for every athlete you have probably. And football mm -hmm. is kind of the low hanging fruit here. A lineman come <laughs> in and then you have a quarterback come in and you have all these different quarterbacks, right? Um, mm -hmm. you know, one is not the same as the other. Talk about some of your experiences, what that was like, especially at Florida State. Absolutely. So there are some equations out there that we use on our back end to kind of get a baseline of energy needs. So energy in the form of calories. I know people are afraid of calories these days, but it's really useful to know your energy expenditure as an athlete, as a lineman who has a bigger body. So just naturally has a higher energy expenditure before you even add in how much activity you're doing. So you get like a baseline, what your body needs if you're like laying in bed all day, and then you add in your activity factor. And there are some different activity factors in the research based on your sport, based on your position. So we get a rough estimate um, from there. Nutrition so individualized, kind of like you said, and it's talking with the athlete, what are your current habits? And then where can we, most, most often it's where can we add to yeah. what you're doing. Most athletes that I work with that I have worked with in the past are under fueling. So that's a big 
um, thing in the sports world, keeping up with your energy demand. So often it's where can we add food from the youngest athlete I work with who's 12 to the most veteran athlete I work with in their late 30s. Eating breakfast is always on my radar. Are you eating breakfast? Um, most often times it's no, I'm not. I'm too tired or I don't have enough time. So where in your day can we give and take, right? I think that's a big thing to come across as with different athletes is I think it used to maybe feel like we were the food police. Um, so it's a lot of relationship building in all aspects of athletics and getting that buy-in from athletes of, you know, your energy needs are so high. This is what you're eating in this gap window and doing that for so long, you can get injured. So getting that buy-in of what's your goal, you want to go to the next level to get to the next level. You need to be injury-free. How do we do that? Nutrition plays a huge role in that. Um, so I think just really making it individual to them, building that relationship and then filling in the gaps where need be on our end, we kind of do the checks and balances of the, the numbers. We don't necessarily give that to athletes or I don't necessarily give that to my athletes. I kind of just tied in on, okay, well, you could use a snack here. You could use some extra, you know, maybe calories from liquid. So like add juice to breakfast or mm-hmm. add a post-workout recovery drink, like a, a muscle milk or something that's offered to you by your school. How can we make it easy, right? Um, so really just doing a deep dive on our back end and then meeting them where they're at and then just double checking on the science and what that's saying. It's so interesting too because like – it, obviously different for, for athletes and, and lay people, um, but relationships with food, adding more sounds mm-hmm. so daunting to some of us, right? How do you flip the script and get people and all of us, a, a lot of your content, which I want to touch on on social media is about that, right? Eat mm-hmm. breakfast, eat the snack. Mm-hmm. Food is not bad. Any food is not bad. How do you get people to kind of flip their mentality? I think education is really important, um, but also meeting them where they're at, right? I'm not going to sit here and go into glycolysis with you. That's so boring. Um, But being able to get across the importance of your energy needs and how we can can fit that in. Um, So how we can flip the script is, you know, if you – diet culture, right, is kind of what we're trying to avoid – And how we counteract that is instead of what we're taking away, let's focus on what we can add. And I think that comes across so much better than just Mm -hmm. take this away, take this away. You're an athlete. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Most athletes I work with, I mean, we're people first, right? Food's so much more than just your sport. It's your relationships. It's your culture. It's how you unwind. It's how you relax. So I think Early on, I try and bring that to the table of like, what'd you do this weekend? What's what's on your radar for the holiday coming up or something like that to kind of show them that I understand food is so much more than just your sport. And that kind of gets them to loosen up a little bit. Like I'm not the food police, get them to get that buy-in again um, and then just build in their favorite things. Like it's okay to go to Chick-fil-A. I go to Chick-fil-A. And then building that into their initial plans or goals that I'm setting with them, I think gets that buy-in. And then once they start to see some differences in their energy levels and their performance, then we're getting that buy-in a little bit of, oh, yeah, I don't have to deprive myself of these things and get that focus more on let's add some things in. 
you talked about being at Florida State off of a national championship. Now you're kind of building the next generation of, of college greats at IMG. We talked about the San Diego Wave you're working with, USC. I mean, these powerhouses, mm-hmm. whether it's high school or college, what have the experience has been like working with the, the best of the best athletes um, and from the nutrition level, right? Like they have access to mm-hmm. all of the nutritional things. But what have, what has your experience been like kind of being on the front lines of of helping them out with with getting um, all the things that they need, like any interesting stories or anecdotes, if you will? I'd say it's been so much fun across the board because um, really so many athletes, no matter their level, really just need help navigating their busy schedules. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really fun to be able to figure out, okay, like, can we try this food? Can we try prepping this or like go through this drive through whatever, and just like really figuring out what works for them across the board um, and getting that like clicking moment of like, oh, this doesn't have to be that hard. Yeah. And it's really across the board. I will say at every level too, at, at FSU, at USC, WAVE, young IMG athletes who have access to a lot of food and a lot of products provided by these organizations. Not everybody takes advantage of it. And nutrition is that one thing that can really set you apart as an athlete, no matter your level. These days, most organ, most, you know, D1 schools that I was at are professional teams. They're providing you meals. They're providing you snacks. They're providing you supplements in some aspect. And if you're not taking advantage of it and your teammate is taking advantage of it or your opponent is taking advantage of it, that can just take them to the next level and really hold you back. So if it is something that can take you to the next level, why not? Right? You get a strength coach. You get a position coach. You get an athletic trainer. Most places are getting some mental performance coaches, which, yay, that's also coming up the pipeline with nutrition. But if you have access to a sports dietitian or a nutrition coach, that is just another person on your team, another tool in your toolbox to take you to the next level. And those that really take advantage of it do see really big differences. Um, Depending on where you're at, if you're trying to get recruited somewhere, your contract is up, whatever, if you are on it with everything across the board and your nutrition, that can really make you stand out to recruits, to coaches. So if you're someone that's just like, I never eat, I don't need to worry about it. And then we get injured, right? Mm. That's a career ender for a lot of people. Nutrition can play into that. So I just think it's a shame sometimes when you have access to it and you don't take advantage of it, maybe just because you don't know and you didn't grow up with access to it. So if anyone listening has access to those things, if there's a dietitian like within your wheelhouse at your school, take advantage, go talk to them. A lot of your social media content is not like, you know, you have to make the these crazy intricate things or like you said, you can go to Chick-fil-A. We can figure out what to get at Chipotle. We can snack on the tomatoes. Like I saw that thing you, <laughs> where you put your vegetables like in line of sight. Um, mm-hmm. You make it really easy. And I'm sure it's the same way with your athletes. Talk about just like, how like we're talking about diet culture and it it, it sets you apart. Like it's the, everyone says your body is made in the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's it's attainable and it's feasible and it's not, you know, eating lettuce and salads <laughs> and 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 only fruits and veggies. Like maybe some yeah. of the the easy ways that you make these fixes um for some of your athletes. I think it also helps that I'm like not a cook. Uh, I'm a dietitian, but I am definitely not a chef. There are some dietitians out there that do go to culinary school, but not I. I am also very lazy in the kitchen. So it's how can I buy in, right, is really big. So these athletes, mostly college level um, is what I'm thinking and beyond, so busy, right? Those college athletes are school, tutor, practice, lift, tutor, try and go to sleep on time try and fit in some socialization in there too. So they're not going to be spending more than 20 minutes on a meal. That's why the drive-through is so appealing, right? Mm -hmm. So how can, again, like with buy-in, it doesn't have to be fancy, but it should be functional. And so there is this athlete plate that I forget who first developed it. I'm sorry um, if someone's called me out on that. But it really just takes the science of the different nutrients that an athlete needs to support their performance and growth and development and putting it into a really easy, digestible image of a plate. And depending on your activity level, it changes how much fuel you need. So the biggest change around there really is carbohydrates is your biggest source of fuel for athletes. The more energy expenditure, the harder the training, the more carbs you're going to need. So you can take this plate and you can apply it to whatever meal you want to eat. That is just making it so, so easy for athletes to digest because everyone has different likes, dislikes, food preferences, right? I'm in San Diego, so everyone here is gluten intolerant and dairy intolerant and everything intolerant, which is fine. Like that's <laughs> Intolerant. Intolerant, yeah, by choice, I think sometimes. Which is totally fine. Like I'm I'm never here to judge, but like how can we take what your needs are and like across the board reaching so many different athletes and this like athlete plate is such an easy, you know, no matter what you're going to be grabbing for dinner tonight, say we typically, I feel like protein is a big one for athletes. It's usually pretty easy. Male, female athletes, it's usually like incorporated already. Carbohydrates probably incorporated already, but on this performance plate, fruits and veggies, where are those fitting in? A lot of people struggle with that. So how can we make that a little bit easier for you to fit in? Frozen vegetables, totally fine. Canned vegetables, totally fine. Like what are you actually going to execute to help meet your needs? And that just like looks a little bit different for everybody. But I think going back to that, just like image of the athlete plate and like what your needs are, and then you can fill it in yourself. Like you want to put macaroni and cheese on your plate as your carb, put macaroni and cheese on your plate. And I think that really gets a lot of buy-in when there's not so many restrictions around mm -hmm. what those different parts of the plate look like. And, you know, I'm on social media. I see it all, especially on TikTok, right? Like right. people going down the aisle shirtless, you guys know what I'm talking about, and like pointing out everything that's bad in the grocery right. store. By the end of this year, there's going to be nothing left in the grocery store you guys can buy from some of these influencers. So and it's just fear mongering. Right. So, yeah, I mean, some of the food trends and, and again, it's, it may be different with athletes and non-athletes, but mm -hmm. like gluten intolerance when maybe you don't have celiacs or non-dairy or um, intermittent fasting even as a trend or um, keto, any of these trends, I mean, you're not here to judge, but you are 
trained as a scientist in these things. Can you mm -hmm. speak to any of them on like what works, what doesn't, what maybe makes sense to you? So the hard part about having huge restrictions or following certain diets for athletes, I'll speak to both, right? Because I do work with some gen pop clients, um, is that your, your energy needs are so high. And oftentimes you're not in charge of the meals that are mm -hmm. being provided for you. Um, so I like to think back to like the game changers documentary when they were showing that these professional football players were all vegan. And I'm like, that's so cool because the one guy's wife was a professional vegan chef and cooked for all of them, all their meals. That's incredible. If you had access to that, great. Most people right. don't, most athletes don't. And you're missing out on a lot of the different nutrients and energy needs when you start to cut out different food groups like that. You just have to be really strategic. Yeah. So it makes it a lot harder, especially with travel, right? On the road, what do you have access to? What's the team providing? A lot of the times the teams don't have the funds to just get so many different options for athletes. So if you're just like eating bread maybe because you can't eat meat and then there's no vegetable or something provided because we went to a sandwich shop. Is that optimal to help you perform your best? Right. Probably not. So it gets really tricky with the athletic population. General population it really depends on what your goals are. Um, intermittent fasting can work because it's putting you in a calorie deficit. The biggest driver for weight loss, for fat loss is a calorie deficit, which means you're eating less calories than what you're burning. And intermittent fasting is just a way to close the gap of your window that you're eating. So it's just kind of taking out the work for you. If that works for you, then it works for you. Not recommended for athletes because mm. remember going back, we need to eat breakfast. Right. So intermittent fasting, not for athletes. If that like works for you, that works for you. If you're like gen pop, um, keto, not recommended for athletes because you're going very, very low carbohydrate. Yeah. Research shows again and again and again that carbohydrates are the main source of fuel for athletic performance. There's some stuff showing that in ultra endurance, so like ultra marathon runners, keto adaptive can be okay. It's still comparable to eating carbohydrates. Like it's not going to hurt your performance if you're keto adapted but it's not any more beneficial. Okay. So does that make it a lot harder to eat and train for you? Just depends on you and your lifestyle. Again, like not here to judge. It's just if that works for you, right. great, that works for you. A lot of people I've seen who have tried keto um, and I've worked with them after the fact, it's just, I packed my own foods wherever I went. I couldn't go out to eat with my friends and family. So a lot of those fad diets, those trends, they don't make it um, sustainable for you to have a life outside of this diet and this restriction. Mm -hmm. um, and then what was the other one you mentioned? I don't remember. I but it remember. seems like for athletes, it's really like kind of the basic things you learn when you see the food pyramid, right? It's like carbs, protein, vegetables, mm -hmm. few meals a day. Yeah, it's it's almost basic science, right? You've mm -hmm. talked a lot about your social media, and I have too. Um, so we haven't like explicitly said you're the athlete dietitian on social media, <laughs> and it, it's really taken off. Um, and I, when did you start your TikTok, and and then on Instagram or vice versa? Um, and when did you kind of realize that this was 
a, a niche that would pick up and and kind of help so many athletes just like that weren't even your clients and help them answer some questions that that they had. I believe I started it two years ago after I left USC. I came back to San Diego, um, was just kind of figuring out what was next for me. And I saw a couple other dietitians in my field doing it. I was like, I feel like I can do this. And it's, I'm sure like as you started getting into podcasting, right? It's like a little different to put yourself out there, um, mm -hmm. especially on social media. But I just kind of went through those awkward phases of recording. I mean, I still have that. Um, but probably about two years ago. And then it wasn't like that great on my Instagram. So I was just like really leaning into TikTok. That's where a lot of my clients are anyway. I love the interaction. I feel like I can get on TikTok. Um, the algorithm is really forgiving for posting like multiple times in a row, right? It really um, rewards you for that. So I felt like I could just pump out a lot of content that was mm -hmm. needed and certain like silly videos that will take off, but I'll get so many questions and comments and th there's such a need for it. Um, I think on my side of things, I'm in like a entrepreneurship group for sports dietitians and everyone kind of thinks like, why am I going to start doing this? There's already so many people doing it. And then I'm seeing on this other side of it, so many athletes asking so many questions. There's always going to be youth athletes coming up through the pipeline who have never had this sort of exposure. Um, and I've always kind of said to colleagues of mine, you, you might follow all our other colleagues but for that athlete, that client that you're speaking to, they you're probably the only person that they're following, that they're seeing in our world. So continuing to lean into that and trying to inspire the younger generation coming up. And um, I didn't know that the TikTok would get some traction, but I feel like once I'm, I'm on it and it has traction and people will write to me and they're like, this has helped me so much. I'm just like, okay, that's all I need to continue doing it, even if just, you know, it's not, you can't really take all of it for face value, but just and a youth athlete hearing me say like, have breakfast. And I work with yeah. high level athletes saying they're eating breakfast. You should eat breakfast. Um, I mean, I feel like that's pretty generalized, but that can really go so far, um, on a young impressionable audience. So that's been really fun. Um, I've gotten, I've really dialed it in, I think this year, cause I've really tried to to grow my own um, online stuff in this online world. Yeah. So you said you have some uh, clients from TikTok. And then we've mentioned too, you have your online clients, like you're in San Diego and IMG Academy is based in Bradenton, Florida. Mm -hmm. um, right? Like how cool is it that you're just able to like, I mean, share your knowledge like all over with athletes from all over the world and all different types of athletes. Like we've yeah. talked a lot about football, but like, you have soccer, I mean, a professional women's soccer team and oh, yeah. all of these, Great. like we said, IMG Academy, I'm sure it's, you know, tennis and golf and mm -hmm. all the things. Yeah. I've had uh, a pro figure skater, ice figure skater. That's really cool. That was um, very different. I've had people who just do triathlons reach out to me. Um, but, and, you know, once you kind of get higher level, older professionals who've been doing a lot of things, then it becomes a different game. It's like, how can we get more strategic? Yeah. Are there supplements that could help you? Um, and do but, you do that kind of stuff too? Like supplement talk? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
really just depends on like where the athlete is at. But I mean, since that kind of comes up, supplements are, you know, the cherry on top of the Sunday. <laughs> they are the last piece of the puzzle. And if like everything underneath that is not dialed in, then the supplement right. is really just a waste of money. It's just the sprinkles without the Sunday. Okay. Can you name drop a little for like coolest athlete you've worked with? Like maybe name drop like a coolest athlete you've worked with and then like a favorite personally to you. Um, or it could be the same answer. I I uh, thought about this. I would say, because everyone's like idea of coolest is a little different. Yeah. Um, my coolest athlete on my docket is this 12-year-old tennis player that I am working with. And I can just see her going all the way. She is so dialed in. We've been working together for about a year now. And she's fascinated by the science. She is so intelligent. We have, you know, there's only so much I can like drill into her like yeah. on a monthly basis on nutrition. So we'll do cooking classes together virtually. Um, it's so much fun. We've done Jeopardy games together on nutrition and she is just like a sponge and she is absorbed all of it. And I think like this month is us coming up on a year together. So in my eyes, she is the coolest. Um, I'm definitely working with some, you know, I'm around some big names with our San Diego wave soccer team right now. Um, I'd say like looking back on it, just like out of a hat, FSU had some big people leave from there. Cam Akers is a big one. He's out here in LA right now. Yeah. Um, and just so many people in his class that I saw him play in Mississippi. When I was oh, yeah. in Mississippi from 2016 to 18. And he was I I worked in like small town Mississippi, small town Greenville, but he was like big time in Jackson area. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um and that was like big when he committed to Florida State. Do you have key or core memories from like were you on the sidelines as a dietitian? Yeah, when I was with Florida State. Yeah. Yeah, I was still a student. So I was getting my master's and doing my internship. So I hadn't, I hadn't become, you know, sit for my exam yet. But I was on the sidelines for three years and got to travel with them and That's had to hand out snacks and pregame snacks. And we were in the locker room for halftime. And you'd kind of get dialed into, you know, who needed what at halftime. And certain athletes needed certain special things, which was funny. Um, but it – you really see a difference. Like you really do make a difference. Um, I think in those moments when you do get that relationship with that athlete and you know what they need and if they don't have it, you can see a difference out on the field in their performance. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a really special time. Okay. So for gen pop, I love how you use that. That's like <laughs> a cool term I'm going to use now. Non-athletes are gen pop. Um, no. People who are interested in like learning about, all the nutrition things, you have something really cool up your sleeve. Will you talk about it? Oh, yes. So I am launching an online course. It is called Nutrition Training Camp, just in time for summer for all the different training camps that most youth athletes go to um, or even like college level athletes, right? So it's going to be a self-paced online course. It's going to be three parts with a bonus module. 
And it's going to be me walking you through, um, you know, the basics of sports nutrition. Then we're going to get into the timing of nutrition and then helping you develop your own nutrition game plan is what I call it. And just like my best tips and tricks that I've seen from, you know, working with athletes across the board over the years from youth all the way up to professional and just giving more access for athletes and parents, maybe even coaches. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to just kind of be for all levels that, you know, don't have the access to work with a dietitian one-on-one. It can get kind of pricey to do one-on-one coaching, um, but I know that the need is there and I know that it's there for those really busy athletes um, that just want the help and maybe don't have access to that dietitian one-on-one. So I shouldn't have said that's for Gen Pop. It's still geared toward athletes, maybe just like all levels, like you said, um, folks who don't have access or just time to to dedicate to weekly or uh, monthly sessions. Um, We also talked about just like your trajectory from wanting like a happy accident ending up in this field. And it's so interesting to hear like all the things you've done, like working the traditional dietitian, team nutritionist, now doing it on your own, now launching something. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's people listening who are like, maybe I'm interested in that. Maybe I'm not, but um, maybe I know someone who are, who's just like, I don't know how to do Mm -hmm. this. What, what is your advice for somebody who thinks they're interested or knows they're interested in, in the same career path? I think trying to connect with a sports dietitian in your area um, and trying to volunteer. I mean, I'm doing private practice, so it's kind of boring, right? Like this is my home <laughs> office set up. I'm doing this most of the time. No, come on. Um, shadow. Yeah. But <laughs> when, when I first got that itch to go down that path, when the sports dietitian talked to my class, volunteering was such a huge way to see what that role was like. College athletics is wonderful, but it's also a really big time and life commitment. Yeah. Not a lot of work-life balance. Yep. Would not trade my experience for the world. It has gotten me to where I am and it's taught me, it taught me so much. So I think trying to just get your foot in the door and volunteer just to kind of see what it's like, some sort of shadowing. Most dietitians won't take a volunteer for less than a semester just because we really put you to work. Um, but that's just like get your feet on the ground and and learn what the environment is like. And, you know, it's pretty fast paced. There's a lot of different hats that a sports dietitian wears in that role. So seeing if you want to go through all that schooling, um, it's now required to get your master's degree before you can sit for your RD exam. I had already gotten mine before they changed that rule, but it's required to do an undergraduate degree in dietetics. So you take certain courses, food service management, food science, metabolism, and then you apply for a program that has an internship. So my master's at Florida State was in sports nutrition, and it also combined our internship with that. So you're oh, doing okay. 1,200 supervised hours before you sit for your exam. So 1,200? Oh, yeah. And Why I did does that sound like that. so many? <laughs> Is that how many like is or weeks? Um, I feel like I can't do the math. I'm a journalist. Twelve hundred. Yeah, I mean, well, I did. It took me two years to complete the program, doing my master's oh, and my internship. So... Um, we did. I did like I think the minimal for me was six weeks in a hospital rotation. Most programs require like eight to twelve weeks. 
But since mine was sports nutrition focused, I got to spend more time in the athletic rotation. Um, And then food service management is usually like four weeks. So you're working like kind of like a nine to five in these environments. I was in a hospital kitchen for four weeks. I did Mm. a diabetes camp for kids for, for a week. So you get to see, you know, dietitians can work in so many different environments. I was just like eyes on the prize of working with athletes. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of schooling, but worth it. The exam is grueling. It's like kind of like the nursing exam. Maybe you sit for your oh. board. Um, it's a national exam and it will like shut off at a certain number if you get all of them right or like not enough right. Oh, wow. And then it will like go all the way up to like 140 questions where again, it will like shut off anytime you get enough right or wrong. So a lot of a lot of science, a lot of schooling, very rewarding. Okay. I'm glad you said that because I didn't know if you were making people wanting to be dietitians or serving <laughs> them. Just kidding. Um, no, the it, I mean, like you said, anything worth having, right? Takes a, a while to get there. Um, I have a few rapid fire questions before you have to go. Um, what are like some pantry staples? all of us, gen pop included. Now I can actually use the term correctly. Um, should have in our house to not only be healthy, but sustain that energy that you've been talking about. Oh my gosh. Um, I think loaded question, right? But like, yeah, so many, um, my like two go-tos that I feel like are really versatile, um, rolled oats. So to make like oatmeal overnight oats are like a really good one. If you're like not a breakfast person, just like make it the night before, um, you could make like little energy bites out of them, like roll them up with like peanut butter and honey and chocolate and a bunch of other goodies, to- so many different recipes yeah. out there. Um, or you can like use them to make into flour, make into cookies. So, so versatile. My other like personal staple, and um, I have friends who will attest to this. There's always a pouch in like either my purse or my backpack or even like my Lululemon fanny pack applesauce. Is it the go-go squeeze? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm so glad you said this because um, my former boss, but at my current company, um, made so much fun of me for bringing those to work. They're like such a good snack. They're great. They come in different flavors. And so easy. They, you can pa- – so I would have said bananas, but oftentimes people are like, well, that gets bruised in my bag. So – yeah, they get bruised. So not, the applesauce doesn't and it's a fruit and it's really easily digestible. Um, my friends, I, I've done this like since college. I usually have like two to three snacks on me at all times just because I you're the I think snack I'm mom. Just, I'm the snack mom. Yeah. I have literally been out with our our strength coach um to like a concert and the bouncer was checking my purse and he was like, What is that? And I literally just pull out my applesauce and she like almost fell over laughing. And I'm like, look, I practice what I preach. It, right? That reminds me of a time our mutual friend, Chloe, who recommended Mm -hmm. I reach out to you for the podcast, she and I went to a Hannah Montana concert in 2000 – gosh, I don't know. This will date me. Um, And her mom – yeah, probably. Um, Her mom – Jonas Brothers opened for Hannah Montana, so that dates it. 2007 Um, is my guess. Yes. Thank you. Her mom had like snacks in her bag and they were like, ma'am, you cannot bring those in, like probably to like the Florida Panthers arena. And um, she Go was Panthers. like, I, I need my snacks. And she like coerced them into bringing in. Um, but no, go-go squeeze, like such a staple. I love them. And for anyone who tells you they're baby food, they're not baby food, right? They're just snacks. No. 
Okay. Just snacks. It's food that can be used for babies, but again, like grown adults as well. There's no food rules. Um, what about like a go-to, maybe healthy, but maybe just enjoyable cocktail for you or for anyone listening? Like what's a go-to something that you can enjoy that's alcoholic, if you will? Um, this is my go-to summer beverage, um, courtesy of my brother-in-law. It is vodka, soda, splash of pineapple juice. Perfect. So, so just a little sweetness. Little splash of that pineapple juice really just like hides that like look you get Tartiness. from just a vodka soda. Yeah. Um, my husband would, you know, hate me if I didn't plug that he's a brewer. I, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> And I so, work for a beverage company that makes beer. So, yeah, tell us about that. Beer, nutrition, balance. Um, that too. Yeah, he was a college athlete, so we we have that uh, piece in common. He played baseball at a, a local Cal State school where we live. Um, he was a pitcher, and then he got into brewing. He just, oh, yeah, cool. homebrewed with a friend and then was like, this is cool. And then kind of told people and happened into this role now. Um, but I did convince him to make a seltzer when the seltzers are becoming popular. Yeah. And he's like, no, I don't want to sell out. <laughs> and I'm like, White Claw was like, it like White Claw. Oh my God, it's so good. He just will make like a base seltzer and then he'll flavor it with like yeah. fresh. He'll make like for our wedding, he did a cucumber lime. So oh, yeah. cool. We and then um, do you, can you plug his beer? Like, what's the? Can we oh yeah, it? it's um, it's called Dos Desperados. We're oh. in. They're in San Marcos, California, in so San cool. Diego. And hopefully one day it will be Weir Beer, which is our my soon to be last name. We're talking about changing our last <laughs> names. <laughs> we'll get to it when we get to it. It's just yep. a it's a priority of sorts. Exactly. Um, Weir Beer is so good. Yeah. You said it out loud, so it's like you kind of need to like patent it or trademark it. Oh, yeah. He's he's got that in the works. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Um, What was my next um, rapid fire question for you guys? Oh, okay. So he um, is into baseball. Are you guys like now San Diego sports fans? Oh, huge, huge San Diego wave sports fans over here. I love that. Um, We will root for the Padres, but so I'm a Marlins fan. You know this, South Florida. Marlins, duh. Yeah. Dolphins, fins up. Um, but by marriage, my husband's actually from Los Angeles. So he grew up a Dodgers fan. Okay. So we'll root for the Dodgers when they're playing the Padres. Other than that, we'll root for the Padres. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. So speaking of South Florida, we kind of touched on it, but went to high school together, St. Thomas Aquinas, huge sports right. school. Yeah. We did cheerleading. Do you have any like – major sports memories or St. Thomas memories or like anything that like you just you're always like I don't know when I talk about St. Thomas even today I was like oh we have we had this intern and he went to Michigan I'm like do you know so and so and so and so from my high school that went to Michigan um I'm kind of always like bragging about these people that I had no relationship to but do you ever do anything like that yeah, we um, – another, like, cool athlete I worked with a little bit at Florida State was Asante Samuel Jr., and he's now out he, out in L.A. playing in the pro, and he went to he went to St. Thomas. So that was that was a cool little tie-in. <laughs> so they, I don't know why immediately you're like, do you have any, like, memories? Coolest thing I feel like we did, didn't we? We went to the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Yes. Yes. I, I was going to say memories, good or bad. I, I mean, I have some, like – 
not so great like cheerleading memories. I mean, so many great ones, but then so many like, so many, like just nah. funny, you know, maybe getting in trouble memories. Um, okay. But back to what you said, we did yeah. um, our junior year mm-hmm. of high school. We got yeah. to cheer at the Dallas Cowboys stadium. Yeah. And it was it like was just cool. been redone. Yeah. It was like brand new. It's, it's really fun when I, because I feel like it's very different to, I think I'm more the sports fan in my marriage. My husband likes sports, but yeah. I'm definitely like, I'm like, come on, we're watching the Panthers. He's like, what? I'm like, I grew up going to that ice hockey arena. Yeah. I have my shirt in my drawer. Like <laughs> we're, we are rooting. So um, it's funny when we'll be watching sports or now we'll watch like the pro teams in LA when we're out here. Cause big in San Diego. And I'll be like, I was at that arena. Like I've been there. I've been on those sidelines. And I think that that's really unique. And it started in high school from, from being at such a big sports school, just as kind of a funny aside, I didn't do cheerleading my senior year, but I don't know if you remember. I do. Um, I dress up as the mascot for one of the pep rallies. (laughs) And that is the that's what I just remembered. <laughs> you must send me a picture. Oh, I think I have it because Alexandra, who I was talking to earlier, will send it to me like once a year. Oh, my God. I like <laughs> it just came back to me because I mm-hmm. like I think when we did do cheerleading, there was one guy from our grade that did it. But then, OK, that is <laughs> unbelievable and a good gig and to tie in relevance which will probably be over by the time this podcast airs but the den like maybe is a career and you have experience the denver nuggets um mascot makes like seven hundred thousand dollars a year oh so i'll do, I'll do I don't one better my brother-in-law that i mentioned earlier about our favorite cocktails he is um the mascot for the portland timbers soccer organization so now we're both. It runs in, in the family. It runs in the family. Who do, so my, now my husband and uh, his sister are just like laughing all the time. Like, how did we end up with these like sports nuts, like on the sidelines people? <laughs> oh my God. That is so funny. We must get yeah. a picture um, yeah. and um, put it up because I <laughs> will probably have like one picture of us in like cheerleading outfits and then yeah. one picture of you. Just as, as like, What was his name? Like Raider Man? Yeah, I think so. Oh, it was the Raider head. I don't – maybe Raider man. I, I feel like he had like a pirate costume, but that doesn't really make sense, but he was like a Raider. I had just found the head when we were cleaning out something for student council, some closet. Oh, my God. And I'm we like – We could talk here for a long time if we start talking about student council, but you have to go. I'm like, I'm um, like, Miss Scott, let me wear the head at the pep rally. <laughs> oh, my God. So I've always just wanted to be on the sidelines, clearly, in some capacity. And you know what? You fulfilled that dream. You're yep. living the dream. Um, <laughs> we have to let you go continue living the dream and helping, like I said, the next generation, all these amazing kids um, and and humans. Um, plug yourself. Where can everyone find you? On social media, TikTok and Instagram at The Athlete Dietitian. We've got a website. It's under construction right now, but it's just um, www.theathletedietitian.com. Um, have that course coming out hopefully this month. So if you're interested in – Sports nutrition. Um, I do have like a waitlist sign up on my website right now. So um, everyone on the waitlist will nice. get an exclusive discount price when it launches. 
Okay. In yeah. popular demand. I love it. That's amazing. Um, well, this has been so great, not only to catch up, but also to learn yeah. so much from you. And I hope everyone learned as much as I did. And um, seriously, yeah. such good content. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, like not an athlete, obviously, Gen Pop. Um, so really an awesome, awesome follow. Um, and get your go-go squeeze and follow the athlete dietitian. You will not regret it. Kendall, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Jordan. This was so much fun. I appreciate it.